Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I'll have interviews with members of the Union College football team that I conducted last Tuesday as the Dutchman gets set to open their season Saturday at Allegheny. Week 7 of the Saratoga horse racing season is in the books, and that means we have one week left in the meet. To give us a lowdown on what's happening at Saratoga is the Capital Region's premier horse racing writer, the Gazette's Mike McAdam. Mike, uh, welcome back to the podcast, and can you believe the meet's almost over? Um, well, it's not almost, almost over. We still have six uh, days, and there's a lot of stuff that's kind of packed into those last six days. Um, we kind of go through the same rhythms um, and routines every year. You know, when the meet comes up, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's almost Saratoga meet. And then after a couple of weeks, you're like, it, it starts to drag a little bit. And then toward the end, once you get, then you hit Travers Week, and it's insanely busy. And... Um, you get through that ordeal, and then there's six days left. And, yeah, you do in the back of your mind, you're sort of like, oh, I can't believe it's over yet. But it's a long meet, too, and we did see a lot of um, a lot of good stuff, and there's still some good stuff to see um, coming up this weekend. But, yeah, you, you kind of – there's like this uh, sigh of relief after Travers Week, which because you put so much into the preview of it, and then the day shows up, and it's just crammed with all these – stakes races uh which we'll talk about um but uh yeah six more racing days and uh actually i'm off on wednesday so i'll be up there with my brother in the box seats um uh gambling with both fists i guess degenerate degenerate gambler huh degenerate wednesday yeah <laughs> well by the way the volume of stories you produced uh leading into the travers just unbelievable i know the readers were happy and obviously uh you did a great job with you and Erica with the photos. Thank you. So it's just a great job. So let's talk about the uh, Travers, what we saw Saturday. Uh, sense of deja vu to the coaching club American Oaks and the Alabama when Ness dominated both races. Epicenter wins the Travers and by a five and a quarter lengths after you know, having won the Jim Dandy in commanding fashion. And it seems to assert himself as the top three-year-old in the country. Yeah, um... You know, when, uh, you'll remember last week after the Alabama, I, I'm, I think I said, you know, Nest's uh, two races that she put together, Coaching Club America Oaks and uh, the Alabama, is going to be hard to top as, like, the best, you know, most amazing moment at the meet. And uh, I said, unless Epicenter jumps up and, and you know, maybe dominates the Travers. Um, and he did that. And, <laughs> excuse me, um you know, I wasn't really surprised. Maybe the margin of victory was a little surprising, but um, he was clearly much the best horse in this race. Um, you know, he went off at even money, so obviously the betting public ha- had that strong opinion as well. Um, and right now, I mean, he, he's basically cleansed himself of the second-place finishes in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, which he was in great position to win and circumstantially um you know, in the Derby, he and Zandon got in that duel. We've talked about this several times already. And then Rich Strike jumped up and, and uh, caught both of them at odds of 80 to 1 in the Derby. And then um, Epicenter looked like the best horse in the Preakness until an eighth of a mile out of the starting gate when he kind of got jammed up with two horses. And, it, it, you know, I really firmly believe that cost him the race um, as he fi- 
January 2nd, the early voting. Well, he, those three horses that I just mentioned, he beat all of them in the Traverse and in convincing fashion. Um, three from Chad Brown, Zandon, Artorias, and, and early voting. You know, never really were threats. Rich Strike, who I thought was kind of a bum uh, going into the Belmont, and he came in sixth place there. He never got in the game in the Travers. He finished fourth. Um, and then Epicenter, it was his moment to emerge and shine as, as what I believe right now is the best um, three-year-old colt in the country, at least at longer distances. And we saw some stuff later or earlier on Travers Day, you know, one race that, you know, I think the the top contender to knock out Epicenter out of that position uh, we also saw on Travers Day. But, you know, um, Epicenter, it was very gratifying for uh, trainer Steve Ashmussen because he was he was really down in the dumps after the Preakness loss because he knew he, he could have had the Derby and he could have had the Preakness and he wound up finishing, you know, very, dis, you know, gut-wrenching second in both of them. So this was like really validated his opinion of the horse. Also, as he mentioned Sunday morning when, when we, I went over there to do some follow-up, was they're proud of their barn to have gotten this horse, to still have this much horse left after the grueling Triple Crown season. You know, he didn't run in the Belmont, but he ran three weeks apart in the Derby and the Preakness. They gave him a little bit of a a break from hard training and then kind of gradually worked him him back into the, you know his top form for the Jim Dandy and maintained that four weeks later in the Travers. So I uh, really a good job by them to you know kind of get the their horse to weather those two very hard races and then get them back into like really tremendous form for the Travers. How relieved was uh, the trainer representative Steve Asmussen? Um, very much so. And again, it's traced back to what I you know I kind of was just saying because he. he if you can go back to March and April, they, excuse me again, they, they have a horse here that they, you know, they were firmly believed was going to be one of the best in the country, and he just didn't get that, those two big wins that they knew they had in him, and so this one was just sort of, it was like validation of their belief that in this horse that they had back in the springtime, which was, you know, you still got to go out there and run the race and, and show up. And, and he sure did. And, and again, was much the best. He kind of, he stalked behind a couple pace centers. Uh, Joel Rosario had him in great position. They weren't going to get in trouble, traffic trouble in this race, breaking from the six hole. And then when it was time to run from the quarter pole, he, like nobody was catching this horse. Yeah. Well, besides the Travers, a lot of other interesting races on uh, on Saturday. Uh, we saw an upset in uh, in the forego with uh, Cody's Watt Wish uh, beating Jackie's Warrior, and then of course Jack Christopher winning the Allen Jerkins. I mean, talk about those races. Yeah, I'll start with Jack Christopher because that's kind of um, alludes to what I was just saying about the three-year-old male division. Jack Christopher. Um, Chad Brown had a very high opinion of this horse a long time ago, going all the way back to his first breeze before he had ever raced. And it was just a matter of, like, how he would handle longer distances. And, and he finally, <clears throat> excuse me, he finally got back. They, they tried him in the Haskell at a mile and an eighth, and he ran well, but he came in third, at which point that was a turning point and a, you know, a crossroads for them where they decided, all right, we're going to cut him back in distance. We're going to run him on Travers Day and Alan Jerkins. He won by a length and a quarter, one to two odds in the betting. Um, so 
the question now for him, and I'm not sure if I don't believe he's going to get a race between now and the Breeders' Cup in November. But the question is, do you go in the Breeders' Cup sprint or the Breeders' Cup dirt mile? You won't see him in the classic against um, Epicenter and Flightline and Life is Good and those types. But he could sneak in there if he wins a Breeders' Cup race in Epicenter, maybe comes in third in the classic. Jack Christopher's going to get a lot of Eclipse Award votes for top three-year-old male for the season he's put together, despite the fact that, yeah, they, they did take that one last swing to see if they could if they had a distance horse here in the Haskell. Um, but now they're, they're kind of refocused on the shorter stuff. And I, and I think right now he's the only one that could knock Epicenter out of that Eclipse Award, I, in my opinion. And I do vote on this thing, too. Um, you know, the other ones that have run in the Triple Crown races, they don't have anything to back up. I mean, early voting hasn't won anything. Uh, Rich Strike, you know, he stunk it out in the Belmont and didn't, was pretty mediocre in the Travers. So, I mean, Epicenter, um, it's his to lose, but Jack Christopher's kind of lurking out there after his um, pretty impressive uh, Alan Jerkins win. Um, quickly, the other stuff, uh, you already mentioned Jackie's Warrior getting upset. He, Speaking of relief, I mean, we'll go back to Steve Asmussen being relieved. He was really relieved that they won the Alpha G Vanderbilt earlier in the meet because that that was the precedent-setting um third year in a row of winning a grade one with this horse which nobody's ever done in the history of saratoga race course and they've only been running up there since 1863 so no horse had won a grade one race three years in a row until jackie jackie's warrior won the ag vanderbilt earlier in the meet and then naturally he was going to be pointed to the forego on travers day um and he just didn't quite have it. Um, they know he likes the track because he's won five times there, all in graded stakes, and three of them being grade ones. Um, but Cody, you know, Cody's Witch ran a great race, and he's a decent, you know, he's a nice horse. So it wasn't really like a huge, huge upset. It was just you, you don't expect to see Jackie's Warrior lose at Saratoga, and for the first time in six races here, he did. Um, so that was a little deflating, but, and so. Asperson was not having a good day. He get Jackie Warrior. Jackie's Warrior loses in the fifth race, which was the four ago. Ben Clarier is the favorite and probably the leader in the, the Philly and Mare Older Dirt um, division right now after winning the Shuvie beating Malathot. And then she bangs her head in the starting gate and cut her tongue and just was never in the race in the personal ensign, which was won by Malathot. So, um... He was not having a good day, <laughs> and then Epicenter comes up and wins the Travers for him. That kind of made everything okay again. Um, so, but coming out of that personal lens, and Malathot, you know, uh, Todd Fletcher was disappointed. He, he was, he was, um, he knew she was going to lose as soon as he saw her walk into the paddock before the shoe. She just wasn't herself, and Clarier beat her, and then she came back and turned the tables in the personal lens. And so that division's going to be. Kind of interesting moving forward, but Clarier and Malfat clearly the uh, top two in that division. Well, let's look ahead to the uh, closing weekend. And by the way, your three cough limit is done now. So <laughs> three cough limit. Yeah, I, I'm on. I'm on the clock now. Yeah, you're on the clock. <laughs> or, or I'm on the cough. Uh, you got to get a cough. Meter. You got to get a cough button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I did say excuse me all three times, yes, though, did. didn't I? Or both uh, times? Twice. Twice you did. Third time you did. Right, hopefully I don't have any more in me. But, um, yeah. Um, well, let's look ahead to this uh, closing weekend. Uh, highlights of the Jockey Club, Gold Cup, and the Flower Bowl. It sounds more like a college bowl game than an actual race. <laughs> They have a gorgeous blanket um, of flowers that they give out after that, which they've been doing throughout the meet for the big races. Um, these races are both winning your in qualifiers for the Breeders' Cup. They, you know, historically had been run at Belmont Park, but they Naira decided to move them to Saratoga, uh, you know, earlier so that maybe they could bolster the fields. Um, and the field is pretty good for the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Um, right now, you know, the races haven't been drawn yet for Saturday's card. But that one, um, according to Naira, the probables are American Revolution, Dynamic One, First Captain, Informative, Keep Me in Mind, Olympiad, Tax, Untreated, with Brooklyn Strong and Chess Chief as possible. Uh, what you have here is the top two from the Stephen Foster at Churchill Downs, which is Olympiad and American Revolution. Um, and you also have the top two from the Suburban, which is uh, Dynamic One and First Captain, who were separated by only a nose. Um, prior to that, First Captain had won the Pim- I saw him win the Pimlico Special on Preakness Day. Um, so it's kind of a cool collection. Um, the one that, that's a little on the outside of the top group, but I'm really, really interested in is Keep Me In Mind, who finished fourth in the Travers last year and didn't race again until... Um, earlier in this meet when he he won an allowance race in his first race since being transferred to Todd Fletcher's barn. So this horse had not run in basically almost a year. And then he came back and ran well enough in this allowance race that they were like, okay, you know what, we're going to have some fun with this horse. We're going to throw him in the Jockey Club Gold Cup and see what he does. Um, so he's kind of one that's intriguing to me in that race. Flower Bowl is sort of the opposite of the Jockey Club Gold Cup. There were only seven horses nominated, which is very low. And then, as far as we know, only four of them are going to run. And this is a case where the favorite is so should be so dominant in this race that probably scared people away. And that's Warlike Goddess, a horse that I really, really like. Um, I voted for her in the Eclipse Award last year, and she didn't win it because she lost the Breeders' Cup. So a horse who came over and won the Breeders' Cup, and that's all she did. She wound up winning the Eclipse Award, whereas Warlike Goddess had put together really a, a terrific season, except for not winning the Breeders' Cup. I voted for her, and, I, and she's she's back in form. She's won, she won a stakes race at Keeneland in April, and then she just came back and won the Glens Falls pretty impressively at Saratoga on August 6th, after which Lamont was thinking he might even throw her into the sword dancer on Travers Day and run against males because it's a grade one and the flower bowl has been downgraded to a grade two and just, you know, but so she's going to be in there anyway. Um, And she should be a heavy, heavy favorite. So just that'll that'll be one where you don't really bet the race. You just sort of watch it just to see what she does. Um, uh, so you got those two, and then, um, and then, kind of the other two biggies are um, restricted to two-year-olds on the dirt, and this is like the third wave of, of such races at the meet. Um, so the spinaway is on Saturday. That's the Grade One for the Phillies. Um, field should include Aunt Shirley, Just Cindy, Kaling, Leave No Trace, Naughty Gal, Saber Tough, and Wonder Wheel. The three that I'm focusing on here are Just Cindy, who won the Skylerville on opening day. 
Uh, Naughty Gal, who was one of two really good two-year-old fillies that D-Way and Lucas brought here, Summer Promise being the other one. And Naughty Gal um, won the Adirondack uh, in her last start. She'd come back in the spinaway. But then there's um, this horse, Wonder Wheel, that everybody's sort of talking about, but she finished first in the debutante at Churchill Downs last time by six and three-quarters length. So if you focus on those three, it could be a really good race. Um, and then meanwhile, in the hopeful... Um, right now, Naira is saying we've got Blazing Sevens, Bourbon Bash, Disarm Forte, and Most Strike, and not really any, um, not much um, Saratoga form to speak of in this group other than uh, Most Strike won the Sanford by three and a half lengths. So, like, on opening weekend, so I suspect he's going to be a pretty big favorite and the hopeful on closing day, Monday. Here it comes. Yes. Uh, but before that, uh, you'll be putting your court reporter uh, hat on on Friday as uh, right. trainer Chad Brown is uh, makes another appearance at Saratoga Springs City Court on a misdemeanor charge of obstruction of breathing from an alleged domestic violence incident, uh, yeah, violence incident at his house on August 17th. What are we expecting out of this uh, uh, hearing on uh I don't know. I, to tell you the truth, I don't know, and, and I admittedly don't have a lot of experience with these kinds of um, stories and, and situations. Um, we just know that um, he, he was arraigned back on August 17th or 18th, whichever that Thursday was, and the, the judge at the time ordered him to reappear. To, I, I, you know, As far as I know, he's going to be formally charged on Friday morning. Um, so we'll be there for that. I, you know, I don't have no idea what's been going on behind the scenes as far as with his lawyers or what they're going to try to do on Friday um, or the DA for that matter on the other side. Um, I do know Chad Brown has been in typical Saratoga form and pretty much has the training title locked up. Um, it's been business as usual over at the barn. We've been over there to talk about the races that he's been in. He's been winning a bunch of stuff. Um, he's up by seven on Todd Pletcher in the training standings with, with six days left. So I don't think Phil Pletcher is really going to have it has enough days left to be able to, to, um, catch Chad Brown for the title. So it'll be kind of interesting to see not just, not only what happens at the courthouse on Friday, but how that affects, you know, the, the rest of it. We, we still have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday races to get through, um, so it'll be kind of weird and interesting to see, like, how the two things um, are connected in any way or, or you know, what uh, we'll wait and see what happens on Friday because I, I can't predict what exactly is going to happen. I, maybe they'll just formally charge him and set another court appearance date. I, I don't know. I really – so I'm just going to show up at, with sort of a blank slate and just see what happens and, and report that. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> we still have, like – decent little chunk of meat left here um uh in racing to do so it, it's kind of like parallel universe just going on here and and um never the twain shall meet so far but then i you know i'm not sure can't really predict you know how one is going to affect the other um going into the, the final weekend of the meet yeah I was, watching, um, I was watching the fox broadcast on saturday and they did not mention at all. I mean, about Chad Brown and his incident, alleged incident. Right. Uh, so it would have been interesting to see had he won the race and how that would have been. Dealt that with. would have been complicated. So you watched the whole show from four thirty to six, yeah. or you had it on in the office or something. No, I was I, at home. I was I actually had the day off. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, and so they didn't mention it at all. No. 
bet, and he had three horses in the Travers. Um, if one of them had won, I mean, I was prepared to ask him, you know, if, if there'd been, you know, I'm not even 100% sure what my question was going to be, but, I, you know, I was prepared to pull him aside after the formal because what they do is they bring the connection they bring they can't bring the jockey because usually the jockey's riding in the next race but they bring the trainer and the owners into a tent behind the jockey's quarters with a table and microphones and everything so it would have been that kind of deal i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna throw a gotcha moment at him if he had won but i certainly was prepared to get collar him after the formal portion was done just to see you know kind of put in perspective but but it never came to that because his horses didn't really run all that great and he didn't win so but friday might be a different story or later or you know with the remainder of the meet um i do want to say going back to the travers a little bit we shouldn't neglect to mention this um uh they drew um over 55 million dollars in all sources handling on Travers Day, which crushed the previous record from 2019 of 52 million, and um, the crowd announced paid admission total of 49,672 was just short of what they would call a sellout. Um, you know, I, I used the word cap when I was inquiring about this of 50,000, which they started doing a while back. But what they basically what happens is if they hit 50,000, they stop selling tickets to the thing so they came very very close to that and uh that was the highest paid number since um traverse day in 2015 and, and all they had in 2015 was um uh, triple crown winner american Farrell running in the traverse so you knew that number was going to be big but beautiful weather on saturday led to you know a huge crowd and uh they're i'm sure naira is thrilled with their uh betting handle numbers from saturday which puts them in very good position to destroy the the record that they set last year for the the meat total for uh, all sources handles so um we'll be keeping an eye on those numbers they'll probably pass it before closing day well we'll uh, wrap things up next week on the podcast and uh, obviously we'll talk about the this what the eight weeks were like, and it's it's been yep. interesting both on and off the uh, race course. Mike and McAdam, yeah. follow his, uh, t- his coverage on Twitter at Mike underscore McAdam. Mike, uh, thanks again, and uh, have fun uh, on uh, Degenerate Wednesday with your brother. Yeah, I mean, if um, if I'm in the poorhouse, um, I mean, well, certainly that will ensure that I come back to work after the meet is over. Um, I'm not expecting any life-changing hits or anything like that, but we're just going to be there to have fun. We can borrow some money from Naira. They got $55 million to play with. <laughs> right, plus. <laughs> All right, that's Mike McAdam. I'll preview the Union College football season with several members of the team next here on the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, Saratoga Horse Racing fans, you have a chance to win a $50 gift card to a Daily Gazette advertiser by playing the Gazette Saratoga Pick 7. Here's what you do. Pick your horses to score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racecourse and win the $50 gift card. To play, go to www.dailygazette.com pick7 and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. The Saratoga Pick 7 contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Welcome back to the podcast. 
The Union College football team opens its 2022 season on Saturday. They'll go on the road to face Allegheny. The Dutchmen were in really in control of their season last year, undefeated going into the final two games of the season. And with the Liberty League championship on the line and the NCAA tournament berth, the Dutchmen stumbled. They lost at Ithaca in their final road game of the season. And then the following week, in the Dutchman Shoes game against rival RPI, the Engineers scored nine points in the final 29 seconds of the game, capped by Jimmy Leblo's uh, field goal uh, that, uh, as time expired, to give the uh, Engineers a 19-17 victory. The Engineers won the Liberty League, and they got to the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament. The uh, Liberty League football poll came out on uh, Tuesday in the preseason poll, and then the coaches voted RPI to finish first and Union to finish fourth. So does uh, the least, does last year still sting for this team? Well, it depends on you who you ask. I uh, went over last Tuesday the media day for uh, the, the football team. It was held at Mesa Ray because it was really a nasty thunderstorm that rolled through uh, late uh, Tuesday morning of last week. And we'll start off with the head coach of the Dutchman, Jeff Berman. Well, Jeff, appreciate a few minutes joining me. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, great to be back, Ken. It's football season. Yeah, no, I just I can't believe it. And they were taping out here, obviously, uh, poured a little bit out there. Yeah. So is that kind of, you know, playing in rain, is that kind of fun? Or? Nah, it's never fun to play in rain, but you adjust and overcome. You know, control the controllables. It's raining, it's pouring outside, so we'll move inside. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about, obviously, the way last season ended. You know, the, the, the last second loss to RPI. You know, just how much did that bother you after the game or uh, and the months leading up to getting ready for this season uh listen it was it was over that saturday night i got over it by the monday afterwards we moved into recruiting um we're here in another season so you know the focus is on this team uh, the 21 to 21 to 2021 team is uh, was last year this is a 2022 team and they're uh, they have a new identity they have a new chemistry a new personality, and um, I'm excited to see what their version of Union College football will be. What is that personality? I think they're uh, they're a they're a focused group. They're a, a willing group in terms of um, the attention to detail, the, the the will, and the want to get better on on a daily basis. There's a good grit to this group as well, and um, they're doing everything we're asking them to right now. Uh, what what's, what do you see in this team? The chemistry, uh, you know, as you get set for the game Saturday, Allegheny. What have you seen so far in the workouts? I think it's tremendous communication. Uh, I think that's really really important on a football field when you're talking about offense, defense, special teams. I think our guys are communicating really well with each other, and uh, you know they're playing really well together too. I think they're developing a trust and a and a confidence within each other that that uh, they're going to play their 111th on uh, each play, and and they just have to focus on what they need to do. Let's break down the team first of all. The offensive side of the ball. How's that looking? Uh, so far, you know, it's uh, it's been really good. We got some got some good guys back up front, and Tim Driscoll and Stan Koss, Kevin Dewing. Those three guys started last year for us. Matt McCorkle's done a really nice job for us at the other guard position, and Charlie Ryan's broken in really, really well to the to the center position. So I think those guys are playing really well right now um, up up front. And then uh, Garrick Farrell's done a really nice job at the tight end position. He was a he was a reserve last year, but he stepped into a great role and and is uh, playing his best football right now. Um, certainly when you look at the receiver position, uh, you know, it's great to have uh, Andre back uh, for his fifth year there. And, um, 
you know, Robbie Tolbert is uh, is is getting back and. You know, Avery Turton's done a really, really nice job uh, working to as our inside receiver. So really excited about how his training camp's gone. And we've had some newcomers that have really flashed for us in uh, Nick Dunneman out of New Jersey and Landers Green out of New Jersey. So that's that's been good. Um, backfield uh, is probably our strongest position right now in terms of our uh, in terms of our offense. Uh, you got IK who's back for his fifth year, obviously, followed up by, you know, another fifth year in Joe Ferreira. You got Michael Fiore, who played a lot of reps last year, and John Anderson, who played a lot of reps. Um, so, and then you got the quarterback battle right now between uh, Stratton Sherman and Donovan Piketty. Um, we'll um, name a starter after, uh, after the end of this weekend. Uh, on the defensive side. Uh, defensively, uh, again, I think we got some really, really good um, skill back in the secondary. We got three of the three of the four back uh, in the secondary. Um, in uh, you know, Azariah Lewis at the one corner. We got Nate Sullivan at the other safety. We moved Davon Clements from corner to safety. He's really adjusted well to that and has really uh, grown into that position. And then Christian Mays has done a really nice job at the uh, at the other corner position. Um, we're gonna have new linebackers inside. We've we've played. Uh, Two guys for the last two or three years, quite a bit. But uh, Spencer Goldstein and Miguel Rodriguez, Cole De Silva, Jack Anderson—they've all filled in really well on the interior. So we feel good about that. You got Tommy Cavallo on the on the weak side linebacker, um, followed up by uh, Jaden Duncan. Oh, those guys have had great camps. And then uh, to the field, you know, it's been uh, Saint, uh, Austin St. Pierre. We moved him from safety down to down to the outside linebacker position. He's done a great job with that. So. Uh, getting him a little bit closer to the ball, and and then uh, you know it's going to be a bunch of new faces up the, up front with our D line. So you know it's going to be a little bit by committee, but anchored by uh, Jack Flanagan, who's a returning starter. How special teams? Special teams looking good. You know you got uh, the, our kicker back and Andrew Lau. Um, you know right now he's he's doing all three. Max Gluck's doing a great job. I think he's he's doing a really really nice job with the field goal work right now. Um, but overall, I think our guys have really taken um, taken to the special teams. They uh, they understand the the importance of it, and they want to be on those teams right now. So there's there's been some really really good competition to be on those teams. For some of the guys like Ik and Andre, um, you know, the journey they've had to go on through, especially two years ago when you guys did not play because of the COVID. What does it say about them that they've stuck around and been able to? get that uh, one last year yeah I, I think it shows their their commitment and their loyalty you know to the program uh, wanting to get their degree from Union College that was important to them they both had opportunities to look at some other schools and maybe transfer levels up and they both you know we, we sat down individually with each guy and and they both decided you know the best thing for me is I need to finish my career at Union College I need to play my my final college football at, at, in Schenectady so um, that was uh that was good. You know, it really felt good, and and, and um, they've done a lot for us, and I know we've done a lot for them as well. So um, that commitment and that loyalty is appreciated. Jeff, appreciate a few minutes. Good luck this season. All right. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. With uh, running back I.K. Irreborn, uh, it's obviously the season last year, tough way it ended, uh, especially against RPI, the rival and the Dutchman, and it caught you a chance going to the NCAAs. Is that fuel for your motivation going into this season? I would say like it definitely does fuel us, but like we're a new different team, so like we don't we don't want to dwell too much on the past. Granted, it, it happened, but we're gonna we'll take what we we'll take what we've learned from that game, bring it to this season, and like work through that. How long did it take for you guys to get over yeah. that? <laughs> Others like 
everybody had their own own way of getting over it. Like for me, it took me like a week or two. Like it was still, it was just still pretty surreal that, that how it happened. But like, I guess everyone on the team took like it took a different type of time for everybody. Of course, about that time you're getting ready for the first trimester exams. You got a lot more to worry yeah. about. So. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. Like in the new trimester, just like okay, well now we have to go right back into school and everything. But. Yeah. Uh, how is this team looking this year? I mean, obviously, we're as we speak here. Obviously, we're a couple of a week or so away. But uh, for our practice horses, we're a couple of days away from the start of the season. How? What's the excitement like? What's the practice has been like? Uh, do you guys have a good feeling about this year? Uh, practices have been like amazing. Energy has always been up. We haven't had a day where anybody was down. Like we've always had, we've always been flying around, going to the ball. Defense always make, always doing their best, to make a play. Like we've had, we've had a, a great, a great uh, camp so far. Like it's been amazing. Everybody has the energy. Everybody knows what they want to do, what they what they plan to do, and what they and have set goals for themselves. So it's been a great, it's been a great like start to the season. What goals do you have this year? My goal is to do is to have the best career I've ever had at Union College. Like I've had pretty good, I've, I've had pretty good seasons, but like I want to make this one the best one. Yeah, of course, you went through a lot. Twenty twenty, no season because of the COVID. You know, come back, you know, last year. Just reflect on the, your time here because obviously your your final year here. What, what has been this road like for you, Ben? This honestly has been one of like the best parts of my life, to be honest, because like the people that I've met. Coming to Union College has been, like, I've met a lot of people and all, everybody that I've met have always just, they've always just wanted to see me grow and do better in, my, in, in life and football, even even past even past football. They just want to see me do good. So, like, it's been an amazing, like, four years. I've had a lot of, I've, I've grown and gotten a lot of support from different people over the years. How excited are you for the opener? Um, I'm very <laughs> excited. Like, cannot wait for it at this point. I can't appreciate a few minutes. Thank you very much. Here with uh, Safety Austin St. Pierre. Austin, uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, we're a couple days away from the start of the uh, season. Uh, how exciting are you uh, excited are you guys looking forward to this season? First of all, thank you for uh, having me and taking the time to interview me. Um, the team's really excited. We're chomping at the bit to get going. Um, every day we're practicing. Uh, like Coach likes to say, iron sharpens iron. Um, trying our best every day, and yeah, like I said, we're really just looking forward to getting started. You guys had a great season up until the last couple of weeks, and particularly the RPI game. Um, we had an article recently on, on the Gazette about talking about how that's still on the mind a lot of the, how that game ended against RPI. How much is it on your mind? Is it a motivating factor heading into the 2022 season? I mean, obviously, every game in the Liberty League is tough. Um, it's an honor to play in this league every week. It's great competition. I mean, I think last year we had three three teams nationally ranked from the Liberty League alone. Um, so every game is going to be a dogfight going into it. Um, didn't end the way we wanted to, obviously, um, but we just sort of add it to the fire um, and just sort of our motto is one game at a time. So right now we're thinking about Hartwick. After that, it's going to be Allegheny, and it's just the train's going to move forward. Um, so, yeah, we just do everything we got to do every day, and, um, yeah. yeah. Hartwick, obviously, a scrimmage game coming up as we are interviewing this, uh, for this. Uh, uh, what is the strength of this team this year? Uh, I think it's just our heart and our, our grit. Um, early on, it just you can see uh, the mentality of this team is different. We have a bunch of guys who want to go out there and bust their butts every day um, and just make the team better overall. Um, I think we're going to be a really good team this year on all facets. Uh, 
Delivery League, obviously, you said mentioned it's tough. Uh, yeah, RPI, you, your union, Ithaca. I mean, how important is it to uh, get control of this Liberty League early and try to ride that momentum through the uh, league season? I mean, I, every year I've been here, it sort of comes down like the tail end of our season. It ends with like Ithaca, Hobart, Ithaca, RPI every year. Um, so as I said, you can't look ahead to the end of the season or else you're going to slip up. So we take it one game at a time every every year, one game at a time, and try to be undefeated every week. And that's how we're going to go into this season. Awesome. Appreciate a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here with uh, Tim Driscoll, one of the big uh, offensive linemen for the Dutchman. And uh, Tim, uh, how much are you excited about this upcoming season? Uh, I couldn't be more excited. You know, it's my last year of college football, and, you know, I, I chose to come back for a fifth year, and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited to be here with these guys. I love playing with them, my coaches, um, and just compete every week and come out here every day and get better, and it's uh, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, talk about the journey because, obviously, two years ago, no season because of the COVID situation. Uh, you could have left. What kept you here? Um, you know, definitely uh, the relationships I have with my coaches, my teammates. Um, you know, I love playing for this school. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a huge privilege. It's been, you know, one of the best experiences of my life. It's, it's been awesome. So I just, you know, I, I definitely couldn't pass up another opportunity to play another season. I've been asking this question of all the uh, guys I've interviewed today. Um, the season did not end the way you wanted it to last year. Obviously, the, the field goal, the last second field goal by RPI, you know, they take, go to the Liberty League, they end up going deep into the NCAAs to take the Dutchman Shoes Trophy. Yep. How much, sitting back and watching that, how much did that anger you and motivate you for this season? Uh, it's definitely a huge motivator. Um, I think, you know, our, our main motivation comes from each other and just wanting to, you know, be successful with us. It's not really about any outside factors because, you know, we, we believe in each other, we trust each other, we know how successful we can be. Um, you know, that definitely adds fuel to the fire, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we know how good we are and, you know, we just want to keep getting better and keep improving every week and um, just, just playing good football every week because that's a huge challenge uh, with the schedule we play. So, How do you uh, put that out of your mind as you start the season? Um, you know, I think it's it, for, as football players, it's really easy for us. You know, we, we come out here and we focus one day at a time. It's about, you know, the next practice, the next, the next uh, meeting, the next lift. Um, we just focus on the next thing. And, um, you know, that's, that's been our kind of the way we do things. Is, you know, since I've been a freshman year, that's just how we handle things. Um, so, yeah. What are the expectations for the season? Um, I think it's just to keep getting better every week, uh, focus one day at a time, one practice at a time, one play at a time, one game at a time, um, and just uh, keep improving and keep uh, striving to get better. It's, it's a real challenge to do that, and uh, you know you want to keep that um, upward trend throughout your whole year, and the teams that do that can be really successful. So, Tim, appreciate your answer. Good luck this season. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Joining me now is the uh, wide receiver for the Dutchman, Andre Ross Jr. Andre, uh, welcome to the podcast, and uh, how excited are you for this 2022 season? I'm very excited. Uh, we had a very exciting training camp. Uh, a lot of guys ready to go. Uh, we almost did, so definitely a lot of excitement there. Yeah, that's the big question, of course, the, uh, the way this last season ended, the lost RPI on the, the last uh, second field goal there, costing you a chance at the Liberty League title, NCAA birth, and the Dustman Shoes. How much has that fueled this team going into this season? So uh, we try not to look in the past, look in the past, but we also know that we have to learn from our past. So it plays it plays it plays a certain it plays a certain role in keeping us hungry for the season, uh, knowing that we're not invincible. Uh, so it was, it's a good lesson learned. It was more so a good lesson learned to uh, have a better mindset coming into this this season. How long did it take 
I mean, for you personally to get over it, I mean, I, I, obviously you had exams to worry about uh, mm-hmm. right after that game. Uh, so how long did it take for you for you personally to get over that? Uh, it didn't take too long. Of course, we was uh, – of course, I was – I felt some type of way about the loss. I don't like losing, but uh, I'm just a natural competitor, so that's always going to be how I feel. Uh, we knew we had to move on. Uh, the season was over. Um, so it didn't really take too long, especially with knowing I had finals close. Yeah. What are what are the expectations for this team this year? I mean, obviously, obviously the Little League title and getting to the NCAAs, maybe getting the Dutchman Shoes trophy back. So what, what's the motivation? What's the expectation? The motivation is to play together as a team. That's all that we really worried about. Uh, we don't try to play for accolades. Uh, we try to go 1-0 and every week. Um, and that's all we can hope for. Uh, I like the team chemistry that we have right now, so we just try to stay consistent, uh, be within us, and worry about what we can control. What's it going to be like on uh, Saturday when you face Allegheny? I mean, it just the, the, everything's going to be pumping, going, blood flowing? It's first game of the season, so it's always going to be that uh, level of excitement. Uh, but we're going to carry it as any other game. we got to stay focused uh, and just make sure that we, just make sure that we know not what we need to do. What personal goals would you like to set this year, or is it more team-oriented? Uh, it's more team-oriented. Uh, it's my last year, so I just hope to go out having fun with my brothers for our last ride. Uh, that's all I can hope for, uh, and it's looking good so far. Yeah. Obviously, you've been through a lot in this program, not playing in 2020 because of COVID. Just talk about the journey to finally get here to be able to play your final season. It was a long journey, not going to lie. Uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of personal things, uh, personal growth that I had to make as a, as a person uh, to become a better leader for this team leading up to this year. Uh, so it was a long road, not, uh, but it was worth it. Um, we, came, we came a long way. So, yeah. Andre, appreciate a few minutes and good luck this season. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you. That's Andre Ross Jr. We'll be back with the wrap-up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest in just a moment. premier source of horse racing news and events from the daily newspaper of the Saratoga Racecourse, the Daily Gazette. At the Track features racing tips, feature stories, picks by Naira racing analyst Anthony Stabile and Andy Serling, and direct links to Naira bets. Check out At the Track at www.dailygazette.com slash at the track. Back to wrap up the podcast. The week 26 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Jeffrey Thayer of Schenectady. Jeffrey wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Jeffrey. The VIP winner was Nick Platel of Grand Premier Tires. I'll announce the winner of the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. The pro football season is just around the corner, and that means it's time for the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest. To play and have a chance to win a $100 Hannaford gift card, sign up at dailygazette.com football. There is also a chance to win a $1,000 travel voucher and a trip to Hawaii as part of a national contest. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition 
for the latest updates and news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Mike McAdam and members of the Union College football team for coming on the show. Next week, besides wrapping up the Saratoga season with Mike, we'll preview the NFL season with several guests. Tune in next week. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.